Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hello, friends. It's Katie. And Alyssa. And we are here for episode number 51, the intro to investments, right? Yeah, I think that's it, fair because that's all I can really speak to. Okay. And no, that's all I, I would, want to really speak to. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll talk about the intro to investments. Okay. Okay, very good. So why don't you start us off since you are an investor? So we're not just coming at this from the perspective of an agent. We're going to hear your perspective as an actual real estate investor. Well, I know that there are not a lot of realtors that have planned or even think about retirement. Retirement seems like something that is mythical and is super far away. And if you have parents that are still working, um, like my goal is to not be working one day. Do you have an age by which you hope to achieve that? I don't know because I do enjoy work and I do think that I'll probably work longer than I have to just because I enjoy it. And I enjoy mm-hmm. being productive, but I just want to have the option to scale back when I'm ready yeah. and um, travel and whenever Haven has kids one day, yeah. you know, be able to be there. And, um, but it's like, seems so, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so in tune with it. Like I think about it all the time. Really? I do. Like I always think about like long-term financially, are we saving? Are we putting money where we're supposed to? Like we can't work forever, you know? And I don't know. I don't know why I think that way. Like even in my twenties, I always thought about it. And when I started making money in real estate, it's like, you think you're making a lot of money until you realize that you don't have stuff being taken out of your checks for 401ks. You don't have retirement set up for you. It takes you being diligent and actually putting money aside from each check. Right. Um, and so whenever I realized I needed to start doing something and just getting used to that, not being there, I went and met with a couple of different financial advisors and I never could get comfortable with any of them. Yeah. Either they just couldn't explain. I'm, I mean, I consider myself to be, I mean, I have an MBA in business, but right. I could not understand the numbers what they were talking about. Yeah. It was like conversions and Roth IRAs and IRAs and SEP IRAs and blah, blah, blah. And like, 
I just couldn't get comfortable. And like, they wanted me to hand over like, you know, $50,000 a year and be like, bye, see you in 45 years. <laughs> right. And I was like, this is terrifying to me. I don't understand it. I don't feel in control of my money. Yeah. So what I opted to do, and again, I'm not here as a financial coach. I am not, I'm just telling you what I did that has been working well and is still like my track that I'm on. And this is yeah. the advice I give like my young people, um, or first time investors. Yeah. Um, what I decided to do at the time was just contribute the minimum or whatever mm -hmm. to my IRAs each year so that something is going in there. I do have IRAs set up. I don't, I can't tell you about them or explain yeah. those to you. Right. Um, I know they help me with taxes and I know that yeah. I'll get the money one day. Right. But okay. what I do understand is like the houses that I own and I understand the numbers and it's easy right. for me to understand. So it's much easier for me to put down a 20% down payment on a piece yeah. of property than it is to write a big check to a bank and yeah. not know or, and What's really happening? understand like when I'm going to see this money again. Yeah. So obviously the first step is that 20% down payment. Yeah. And, um, I think it's good that that's a requirement. Um, people complain that that's too much and I'm like, it's a big deal. And I think it, it requires discipline to save that money. Mm -hmm. Um, there are others out there. I work with investors that do this, that leverage that money. They borrow it from a house that they already yes. own or something. Yeah. I am like not that person. Okay. I'm not, um, a big risk taker. Yeah, you're I conservative. believe I'm very yeah. conservative. I believe in saving money to get what you want, even if it takes more time to get there. And I think in the long run, you're going to be in a much better position. Yeah. And um, actually, a good example of this is that one of my rental properties that I owned was in this new construction neighborhood that I really wanted to buy in because it was close to my house. Mm -hmm. And they were not allowing investors to come into the neighborhood. They had maxed out what their investors were. Well, they ended up calling me like six months later and said, Hey, Alyssa, um, they want us to close out this subdivision because they're starting another subdivision and they're moving me. And they said, sell what you have. And we only yeah. have two houses left and they are, you know, next door to each other. If you want to go look at them and let me know which one you want, we will let you have one as an investor. So I was like super excited. Yeah. Well, I had another investor who was also looking. So I called them and told them about it. And I was like, yeah, like I'll own this one. You can own that one. Right. Um, they're basically the same house, same price. Well, they leverage their down payments. They borrow their mm -hmm. down payments. And so the numbers worked out to where like I would get my money back in like 17 years or something. Mm -hmm. And b just by leveraging their down payment, the numbers worked out to be like 40 years for them. It's the big difference. Yeah. Like you would think it would only be a 20% time difference because they just borrowed 20%, right. but they ended up not moving forward on it because it would take way longer to pay it back than it would with mine. And their monthly note was going to be way higher because they're basically 100% financing the whole yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I just think that the 20% down payment is, is good. Yeah. Um, the first house I ever bought, um, I knew we were kind of looking for an investment property. 
I was ready, like my husband and I had had that conversation about my retirement and how I don't have any. So, um, we were looking and I showed this really nasty house in Shenandoah Mm -hmm. to some buyers and like, they wouldn't even go inside. Like when I was unlocking (laughs) the door, you could smell dog. Oh no. And they were like, this is already a no. And I was like, I know let's just, maybe it'll surprise us. We opened the door and it's just like carpet and dog. That's really, it wasn't a bad house. It actually had some really cool features It had these brick arches in it. And they were just like, we can't, we just can't do this. Yeah. And I ended up making an offer on it for myself got a heck of a deal on it, spent like $6,000 for all new floors. I think I had to get some appliances and then paint. So $6,000 and it was move in ready. Yeah. And I bought that in 2016. Okay. And, um, it's just awesome. Like the, what the tenant pays is more than covers my note and gives yeah. me income that I don't use, you know, but that I just leave set aside to maybe put back in the house or for repairs or updates or whatever. But that was my first house that I bought. Yeah. And I was okay. like this, I understand this. Right. I know where my money is. Jennifer right. Richardson in my office owns, gosh, I think she owns like 30 something, maybe more than that investment properties. But she said, what I love about real estate and investing in real estate is that if the stock market crashes, you're not left with a piece of paper. Yeah. Even if the housing market quote unquote crashes, right. You still have a house Yeah. and you can use it and you can do whatever you need to with it. Yeah. So it's just something tangible that like, I'm not scared of. I see my grandparents and stuff like checking the stock market all the time and like living on the roller coaster of anxiety. And to me, it's like gambling. I don't want to do that. It is a lot like gambling. You have to be in it for the long, long haul. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think that's pretty cool. So how many do you own now? Um, Right now I own four. And do you, so that's kind of one a year. Is that what your goal is one a year or you're just, do you uh, have a goal? I wasn't really sure. Um, I feel like because I take things slowly and because I manage things myself and have systems in place that make me feel comfortable, I have not, I'm fortunate. I have not had issues with tenants. Yeah. Like I said, I bought my first one in 2014, so I'm six years in, and I can honestly say I've never had a situation. Okay. Um, and I've had lots of tenants come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had any significant damage. I've never had to evict anyone yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like always preparing for the worst. Right. You know. For sure. I mean, I've had like a roof leak. I've had, you know, an AC not cool property. You know, I've had things like that, but... Yeah. You know, those aren't hard things because you just call a roofer. Yeah. Or you just call the AC company, you know. So you manage your own though, right? Yes. And I'll tell you why. Okay. One of the ones that I bought, um, I was not planning to buy. I went for a listing interview. This guy called me and said, Alyssa, um, I need to sell my house. Uh, I don't live in this. I live in Georgia. And it's a rental property. I used to live in it, but I've had it rented. You know, I have a property management company managing it. And he's telling me about this, like, cute house. And I pull up, and I'm like, 
I don't know when the last time you saw this house was, but oh, no, it was it's not, not cute, cute and it's like falling down. Not really, no. but the front porch was falling off. Oh my god! And um, there was just a lot of things wrong with it. And as I'm walking through, the tenants are like, "Yeah, we told them that this was broken, and they sent some guy who put like tape on it, and it's not really fake." Like, I don't think anybody manages things the way that you would. Well, because it's not theirs. No. And, and you have to spend the money to pay them. Yeah, and here's my thing, okay? So you hire a property management company that takes a percentage of your profits every month, okay? There's a, the AC goes out. What's the difference between the property manager calling you and the tenant calling you? Right. Either way, someone's calling you right. and you have to handle the situation. Yeah. So why not save money and just... You know, I know it's different if you own like 50 rental properties, okay? Yeah. But if I mean, you're that's like a full-time 10 job. and under, like, yeah. I mean, Jennifer manages all of hers right. and feels fine with it. But, um, yeah. you know, it's a job, but yeah, but it's making you money, so it's worth it. Right. Um, but a lot of the listing interviews that I have been on that were under some sort of property management just showed me that the way they fix things, maybe the quality, right. I haven't seen one that I was like, wow, I'm really impressed <laughs> right, with, with what they're doing, with how this was done. Yeah. yeah, Makes sense. So okay. I took all these pictures of that house and I mm-hmm. sent it to him and I made a long list of the things that the tenants told me were wrong with the house. Yeah. I said, this is going to surprise you and I'm so sorry, but your house is not in good condition. These are the things that are wrong with it. Based off of this, I'd offer you like 160. Right. And he was like, what? And he was shocked. Luckily, what did he, he think it was worth? He thought it was like worth like 195. It's a big difference. Yeah. And um, so the tenants wanted to stay, which was great because I had, I wasn't planning on buying it. I had the down payment saved, but I did not have money to immediately renovate it. Yeah. But the girls wanted to stay. And so I just let them stay. And then two years later when they moved out, I had the savings to then renovate it. Yeah. And then I rented it out for two more years. And then I really renovated it and ended up selling it for 240. That's great. So it was a, it was a good one. I really bought that one knowing that I was going to sell it because it was yeah. a pier and beam house. It was like an old wooden house mm-hmm. yeah. and it was so cute. Yeah. Um but I know like long-term pier and beam houses just have a little bit more maintenance associated yeah. with them, so it's not ideal for a rental property. But right. it just opened my eyes to like especially with everything being electronic these days mm-hmm. between like Venmo or quick pay with Zelle or cash app, like whatever you use, you don't really need a management company that collects the rent. Cause yeah, they just send it to you. There is no check in the mail or anything like that. Yeah. You don't have to send someone to knock on the door. No. And so that's the point. The property mm-hmm. managers aren't actually going to the property. Right. Ever. Right. And I'm not here to dog on property managers. No. I think that they, um, I'm sure there are good ones. Um, Yeah. The the houses that I have bought have been from property managers that were not taking care of the property the way that I would want my property taken care of personally. Yeah. So tell me this, because I've heard numbers in our market. Do you feel like there's an 
a, a standard for property management, like what that fee is? Is that kind of I know common? it's usually 75% of the first month's rent for the okay. first month. For the, okay. So that's to like get the tenant. Yeah, get them in there. And then I've heard anything from like 10% to 25% a month. Whoa. Okay. And I've heard as low as eight and I would typically hear 10 a lot, but I've heard, oh, no. 20, I've heard some 25 is a lot. Yeah. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they better not be calling me at all for 25%. No. Yeah. And it better look like a dream. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I know in previous episodes we have talked about, or you've mentioned that you don't really represent a lot of investors anymore because of the time constraints of that and sort of the, the amount of work it requires. Do you interview investors when they call you now, or do you always send them elsewhere? What, like, I what always is your, send them elsewhere. Yeah. When you were representing investors, how did that go down? Did you like, okay, for instance, I know in your previous, what you told us was you would get a, somebody who wanted to be a new investor. Hey, I want to start investing in real estate. You know, <laughs> tell me what to do. Like, what is your kind Great. of go-to? Step one is 20% down. Oh, right. okay. Well. Yeah. Well, never mind. A lot of times they didn't realize that's how much it costs up front. Yeah. They see the TV shows. They want to like flip houses. That's right. the biggest thing I hear. People don't. Yeah. People are like, I want to get into flipping houses. And I'm yeah. like, so does everybody else. Right. Even and 15 years ago when I started, this was yeah, this was the problem then. There's thing. all those shows on TV and we want to go flip a house and get some quick money. Or I like to pick out stuff. I want to go design a house and flip it. It'll be so fun. Mm-mm. But I'm like, you have to have all this cash because there's so many other investors in the market already doing that. So yes. they don't, they're not good. You're, even your 20% down isn't going to hold a candle to their cash offer. Oh no. So like when I'm trying to buy an investment property, like I usually don't buy anything over 200. I usually like pay between like a hundred and 150. Yeah. And so I need at least 20 to 30 to 40,000 as a down payment. And then I usually need, I budget for like 10,000 to do upgrades to get it to where it's in good enough condition to rent out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at like fifty to sixty thousand dollars before jumping into buying a rental. Yeah. But if I was gonna flip a house, which I have flipped two houses, and I will say they were profitable, they were not worth it to me. I did right. not like the stress. I did not like the anxiety. I did yeah. not like having an empty house that had a mortgage on it. I didn't like coordinating contractors. I right. didn't like when people gave negative feedback on the things I picked out. <laughs> I didn't like I didn't like any of it. Any of it. And then at the end of the day, the money you think you're going to make, it's it's never what you think. Yeah. It's always going to be less after yeah. fees and gosh, taxes that just eat you alive. Um, it wasn't worth the time spent. Right. Cause when you broke it down by the time you spent on it, you really didn't make yeah. enough. No, not worth it. Okay. So you won't do that again. I don't think so. But it's probably good you did it so that you have that experience. Oh, yeah. I learned so much. And it's like the first time I did it, it was fine. And we did fine. It was very stressful. Um, But the second time I did it, I just thought it would be easier because I had done it before. And, like, it went as well as it could. Right. It's not like anything went wrong. But it just let me know this is as good as it's going to get. And I just don't care for it. 
And that's just not right. Your threshold wasn't there. No. Okay. So as you collect up these rentals, is there a point in time when at the end of the line, when you start to use them for your retirement, you sell them off? Is that what the, what happened? So I think the goal is a couple of things and I'm still figuring this out as I go. Yeah. I wasn't really sure like if we wanted to set a number for how many or what kind or, but eventually they will all be paid off using the tenant's money. Hello friends. We are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes. Listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far I've used a handful and received positive feedback like this is so professional or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, Your clients are actually going to say that. Yes. All right, here's another one. Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. <laughs> I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is going to make it so nice. That is what we're here for. No, just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just yeah. use these. Yeah, nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're going to enjoy them you're going to love them you're going to love gonna it. change your life literally fired <laughs> my assistant they are the best okay, enjoy the template yes enjoy so the way that this started was like day one we have bought our first investment property i took that tenant's first month's rent and deposit check mm-hmm. so he was paying 1400 a month okay So he gave me $2,800 deposit rent. I went and opened a separate account just for rental properties. Okay. And so every month Mm -hmm. on the first, the rent comes in because I make it a requirement that my tenants have it on auto draft for the first Mm -hmm. and the mortgage goes out. Mm-hmm. My mortgage on the first one was like $705. He's paying $1450 a month. That's pretty good. So every month it grows by about $700. Right. So it was growing pretty good. Anytime he called about something small, I just used the money from that account. It never yeah. made me feel like, like I never paid the mortgage. I have never right. paid the mortgage on this house. I've owned it since 2014. I yeah. have never paid a mortgage or paid for a repair. And for all right. you people renting out there, this is why you should buy. Yeah, right. Because the exactly. la- I'm telling you how the landlord is using your money. Using your money. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. after about a year, I was like, well, this is easy peasy. Like, this is great. Right. So I got another one. And it was a smaller house. And um, it was just, again, I went on a listing interview. Mm-hmm. And I had run comps before and knew it was going to be like 125000 It was a small two-bedroom, one-bath house. I had just sold one a street over for yeah. 135 that had a few updates. And the lady was like, can we list this thing for like 105 And I was like, well, why would you do that when I just told you it's worth 125 And she's like, well, I don't live in Baton Rouge. I inherited this house. Mm -hmm. I have to cut the grass. All the utilities are in my name. I don't want to come here. I just, I want this to be over. Right. And I said, would you take 95 And she kind of thought about it and said, yeah, 
I said, deal, I'll buy it right now. And we wrote the purchase agreement. <laughs> Instead of a listing agreement. Instead of a listing agreement. I and I bought it. it. And yeah. um, that has been one of my best because it was so cheap. It was basically yeah. like having a car loan instead of a mortgage. Like my mortgage yeah. on it was like $500 a month. Mm-hmm. And my tenants paid $1,200 a month. So Good grief. You again, paid $700 on that 700 one. $700 on that one too. Um, so... Now the account is growing by fourteen hundred a month, and again I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like so hooked on this. So my goal was, you know, to pick a number that you that I felt comfortable with, that I would let it grow to, yeah, and that would be what I left in the account. Okay. So I figured that that number should be between seven and eight thousand dollars per house. Okay. So if I have two houses, maybe leave it at fifteen or sixteen thousand dollars. And then what do you do with the excess? You would then I use start that to paying off the principal. Okay. So when it gets to ten thousand dollars over the limit that I have set for it, I just take that ten thousand and apply it to the lowest principal. Okay. And then so fast forward, now there's four houses, and so the account grows using the money from that. Um, it got to where that teeny tiny house, we mm-hmm. paid it off. Yeah. Never using any of our money. Right. Like ever. Right. Right. So, so now that house is bringing in $1,200 a month instead of $700 a month. Yeah. And now all of a sudden the account is growing even Ex- faster. It's exponential. Right. And I'm paying off the next one even faster than the first one. And I'm not using any of my money. Okay. Here's my next question. When that account grows, you've never used the excess as the down payment on a new one though. Um, I haven't. So you're just taking it and paying off the the mortgages. Yes. Okay. You could though. I would not be against that. That would be an acceptable use of the That would be an acceptable use of the funds. You know, the people that get in trouble are the people that live off of the income. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Because then they're using it for vacations or updates to their own home. And then all of a sudden they too need a new roof at one time. Insurance doesn't cover it. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, The people who I have seen fail in real estate are the ones that were not financially smart to save the money. Yeah. The ones that flooded in this big flood we had that weren't in a flood zone. And because you're an investor, you get zero help from mm-hmm. FEMA or anyone. Yeah. Um, those are the people that lose everything. Yeah. And it's just, I have seen it happen. And I think that's why I am the way I am. And yeah. I think I, I feel like the way that I think about investing is not the way your typical investor thinks. Yeah. I like, I always think about this one investor that I have worked with and he is so aggressive. Right. And just, it makes me so nervous, but Mm -hmm. he's at a point where I guess he's not nervous for whatever reason, but it's hard for me to advise my clients to do something that I would not do. Right. Right. And, you know, maybe I could have like 10 more rental properties if I would, quote unquote, leverage myself more. Like people talk about leverage, like, yeah. oh, lever. I'm like, guess what? Leverage is debt. Yeah. And debt has to be paid. Right. And I want to be in a position where I'm trying to get rid of debt. Yeah. In fact, the last rental property we bought, um, the mortgage experience was so strenuous. 
Oh, it wasn't no. the lender's fault. It was that we're so complicated now. Right. The amount of things that they needed from us, me being 1099, Tanner mm-hmm. being W-2 and 1099, four investment properties, the stuff that they needed was insane. Right. And I told Tanner, I think that this will be our last time to ever get a mortgage. Oh, really? You're just going to save it up and buy them? I'm just going to save it all up. Yeah. And uh, get to where we would need it or sell something. Yeah, to buy something else. To buy something else. Um, Maybe let the rental account grow if, if we wanted to use maybe some of that to go towards paying cash for something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've been doing it for six years. I haven't had any issues. I've never paid a single mortgage on any of my properties with my right. own cash. Yeah. Um, but I do think that you can get really comfortable there mm-hmm. and get ahead of yourself. And, and the question is too, like in the event that they were all vacant and something terrible happened, how long does your savings float you? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, my goal is to just stay in a good position. Yeah. Using other people's rental income. Right. Without I having like to come out of my pocket to do things. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. And I like think I'll put nice- up the down payment and that's it. Yeah. I think it's nice that you're also not talking about 10 or 20 or 30. I mean, it's four, right? Yeah. Right now we're at four. I had an investor who moved here and he was retiring. He sold, actually he sold a car wash where he lived in out of state. And he had like this $400,000 from selling his car wash, which was sort of like his little side gig investment baby, right? And he was like, I'm moving here to be close to family. I'm retiring. I just, I'm going to take this $400 and I mean $400,000 and I'm going to put it, I'm just going to buy two rentals. But he was very specific in that we bought brand new houses because he's like, I don't want to deal with a lot of maintenance. I want you know it to be relatively easy. I'm going to manage it because it's just two And he's had these two for, I think that was five years ago. We bought them at the same time. They were brand new. Of course, he's had no issues with either of them. Um, He's had a tenant and one that stayed there for three years. Oh my gosh. Three years. That's awesome. So every year he would just be like, hey, will you write me a new lease? I mean, like I, I don't represent rentals typically, but if I have an investor like that or someone who maybe is moving and decided to hang on to their old house and, and lease it out, I will do a lease listing and charge a one month's rent for mm-hmm. commission. Right. So every, you know, every year he'd be like, Hey, will you just write a new lease? I'd be like, sure, no problem. But it just, they sort of take care of themselves. He's relatively handy. If something small happens, he can just go handle it. And it's just, he put cash into it. So it's just really parking his money. You know what I mean? Like right. he was just setting it there so that he didn't have it, um, you know, and have to deal with it because I think he did a 1031 because he sold yeah. He sold that car wash and he had this money and he needed to put it into real estate. Right. And then I had another investor who was very successful and she was more of your leveraging type and not really like crazy, but she bought a house that was below market value that needed some work. She put the work into it, put the tenants in place, and then it appraised for much higher and she was able to still have 20% in it, Mm -hmm. but take some money out and Mm -hmm. then she bought another. And that, I don't think that system is terrible if you don't save up enough money to do a 20% down payment every year or two or three or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are my favorite too. But I don't, I I don't represent a lot of investors either. Yeah. It's like, 
And I'm kind of with your first guy in that I would rather spend a little bit more to get either a better house that yeah. will demand a better tenant. Yeah. Like well, if the house is rent. falling down, um, yeah, I don't want just... someone that's okay living in it. But there are investors that are like, oh, yeah, someone will live in it. I'm like, yeah, but do you, are you going to like fight that person every month for, for you know, rent? are they going to take care? Who, who is okay living in this? Right. How are they going to take care of your home? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've had renters who I've had clients who couldn't sell for whatever reason and had to put a tenant in there for a year or something like they were accidental landlords, right? Like that wasn't on their horizon. And I've had tenants that were so great that were like making upgrades to the house and like painting things like they would not without permission, but like would be great, super great tenants. So I just think it does depend on the quality of the house you're putting them in. Yeah. And I mean, the only time that I'm like, Oh, rental property is so annoying is when a vacancy occurs and I have to deal with getting it rented and all yeah. the showings and all the inquiries mm-hmm. and all the filtering and showing yeah. up to show the house and the people don't show up and this oh. and that. It's just Do like, you, I'm going to give you a little tip <sighs> for the next time that happens. I, in my very few rental listings, but I had one just now, I have sort of developed a system. I do uh, rental showings open house style because typically when you put a rental listing on the market, you will get a slew of Zillow or Realtor.com or whatever inquiries in the first 48 hours. And I just wait until like the third day. And if it's a Saturday, a Sunday, I did this last time. It was a Tuesday at noon. And I had three showings all at the same time because you're right. Typically, they will stand you up. Someone's mm-hmm. going to stand you up. And if you have strewn those out over a week or two weeks and you're going to this place every day and someone stands you up, <clears throat> it's a pain in the butt and it's ruining your schedule. But if you do three at the same time or four or five and one of them stands you up, it doesn't matter. The other three are there. Well, you know, I love a template. Oh, yeah. So I made a template that has like anytime I get an inquiry, they get this via text or email. It, okay. it all says the same thing, you know, to that. Let's hear Just it. To every person gets this. And it says, you know, thank you for your interest. These are the terms that are non-negotiable. Okay. All caps. You know, no smoking. Mm-hmm. Refrigerator is included. Washer dryer is not. This is the first month's rent and deposit that would be needed in order to reserve it for you. Minimum of 600 credit score. Um Anything else, you know, tenants are responsible for lawn care, 12-month lease minimum, pets or no pets allowed. Anything that is like, this is non-negotiable. Because what was annoying me is I would show up and show it, and they'd be like, hey, will you take 900? I'm like, no. no. Oh, you don't allow this? Or, oh, you will you provide a washer dryer or this? So just that text alone, yeah. let them know up front, I'm not negotiating. Right. If, and then it ended with, if you are still interested, if you are okay with the above terms and are still yeah. interested in seeing the house, I will be there Saturday morning right, <laughs> from 9 to 10.30. You show up. And, um, oh, and I also like having their rent is to be paid electronically. There is no check or cash. Um, so just anything that's important to you as a landlord. Yeah. And I don't I, like knock on wood. I don't know why I have gotten lucky with my tenants. I don't know if it's that filtering process. Yeah. And that I am like treating it like a business and right. 
just taking the emotion out of it and meeting them at the house and stuff like that um, and setting the expectations up front so there are no surprises. I think that's good. But it, it's, it's been fine so far. I like it. Yeah. It's working. And I'll let it sit longer before I reduce the price just to get oh, someone really? in there. Yeah. And like, that's what the savings is for. Right. Like if we need to go another month empty until the right person comes along, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. That's not bad. What's the longest one has been vacant? Um, I think one of them took me like two months to get rented. That's not bad. Yeah. Nothing has ever been crazy. But you the good thing reduced. about buying them is you know how your mortgage skips a month. Mm-hmm. So like if I closed in July, I had until September to, to get somebody in there, do my renovations if it needed any, and then get it rented. Yeah. And I've yeah. always made that deadline. I like it. That's yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Okay. Do you want to give any other tips for new investors or old investors or realtors who should be investors? I think, I I really do think that everybody should have like one or two rental properties. One yeah. or two is easy if you do it the right way. Right. And take your time. And, and like, again, I will only buy it if I like it. Personally. Just because it's a good deal doesn't mean I want it. Yeah. Like the one, the little $90,000 one I bought behind Florida Pizza. I was like, this is so cute. You know, like I was excited about it. Yeah. Um, all of my houses that I have ever bought, I have liked them. And if something ever happened, I would be able to live in any of them. Yeah. Happily. Yeah. Um, I think that's good. I think it's important. You know, it, it, I think it should be fun. Yeah. And you should enjoy the properties that you buy. It's much more exciting when you actually are like proud of the house and like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because it's a good deal doesn't mean you should buy it. I think that's an interesting tip. Yeah. I mean, which is why I'm not a good investor realtor. <laughs> right. Well, right. Cause they just want the numbers and the deal. Yeah, they and don't you're care looking about for something you would live in. Yeah. It's no. totally different. Your yeah. perspective is very different and probably might resonate with realtors who are like, I don't know that I really want to be a landlord. I'm not out there for the high risk investor part of it. The way you're handling it is totally different. I don't feel like it's any risk. I feel like, okay, well, what what about all the calls? That's the number one question I get. What about all the calls that you get? I'm like, what calls? Once they're rented, I never hear from these people. Yeah. Maybe that's because I take care of my houses. Yeah. How often do you go check them? I don't. Yeah. That's horrible. I shouldn't even admit that online. Okay. (laughs) So you're you're just as bad as the property manager. (laughs) So once... Or once a year, I have all of my ACs cleaned and serviced. Okay. I have a relationship with my AC company, and they um, let me know how the house looks. What's going on? I'm like, do I need... And they're like, no, Alyssa, it's clean. It's fine. Smells fine. Looks yeah. fine. I, I'll email my tenants every now and then and just be like, hey, just want to make sure everything's good. Everything's working. My AC working. guy also changes the filters when he goes. So he's, he's kind of my... Uh, checker, if you will. Yeah. I think that's and good. And then they, I do have a termite contract on them all. And I have a relationship with the termite company. Yeah. And every time he goes out, he lets me know. Does he do like a quarterly pest or just like a yearly termite? A yearly termite. So okay. twice a year, I have a professional that I trust 
go there. And then anytime, like, for example, during this big last um, rainstorm, we had a limb fell and hit a gutter and just knocked it off and kind of mm-hmm. damaged the wood. So I had my contractor just go fix it. And I, to- I told him ahead of time, save me a trip. Like, hey, when you walk through the house to get to the backyard, will you just let me know? how it looks. But the thing is, is that I also am at a place with my tenants where the gutter fell and he called me. Yeah. So if something else is broken, you would he's going to call me. Like yeah. they, they live there. Right. So I will say I drive by them anytime I'm in the area. Okay. I drive That's by. fair. I don't just like, you know, Pretend like they don't exist. No, I do drive by them. And okay. like, for the most part, they're always in pretty decent condition. I even have like two young guys staying in one of them. And like every now and then the bushes are like kind of crazy, but, but they're such good tenants. Like they always, all my tenants. So like right now, um, are paying on the first, they're always timely. They text me or email me when something, um, is wrong. So it just, I have no reason to feel like I need to go all the time. Okay. And then when somebody does go because of something, I just say, you check. Can you check for me? Thank you. Yeah. Tell me what's going on. Give me the update. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that that's good for this one. Unless you want to tell us something else. Um, I think the only other thing I have is I had some, according to the quote unquote experts, oh, let's why hear what the experts. real estate is a good investment versus let's hear what the experts have stocks, to say. mutual bonds, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Reason number one is real estate has predictable cash flow, which is true because yeah. you know what you can rent it out for and you know how much your mortgage is going to be. Yeah. So... You, you know what you're looking at. It's not going to be checking it every month, wondering if you're going to make money this month. Right. Like, you should know. You know. Um, it appreciates in value. Mm-hmm. My little disclaimer is if you take care of it. Right. Um, real estate can be leveraged. So we talked about that already. And it can mm-hmm. be. I mean, there are, there are ways to use leverage in a positive way. I think you just have to be careful not to overuse your house as a credit card and then you're 65 and still have a huge mortgage on your house. Yeah. Um, real estate provides equity buildup using other people's money. So basically what I'm saying is yeah. that you put the down payment and somebody else pays your mortgage for you. Mm-hmm. Real estate coincides with retirement, which basically just means okay, right now it only makes 700 bucks a month, but in 30 years when I'm ready to retire, it'll make 1500 bucks a month. Right. And then if you have, t- say you have 10 rental properties and they're each bringing in $1,000 a month, which we know is going to be more than that. You get $10,000 a month. Yeah. And you know it's going to be closer to 15000 Mm-hmm. So I just feel like it should be added to whatever you're doing. Yeah. I don't think it should be your only thing, but I think it should certainly be a big part of it. I like it. We're going to do at least another episode or two on investing. I want to sort of talk about it from a flipping, renovating angle. And I want to also hear more about second homes because you didn't really tell us this, but we know you now have a vacation rental. 
Yes. So I want to hear more about that because I find that to be very interesting, but we'll save that for the next one. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. A whole nother <laughs> thing. Okay, so a different animal. Are you ready for the toast? Yeah. Okay, today, I didn't tell you this, we are going to toast to Mary McKinnon Nicole. Okay. Mary sent us a sweet message. She says she is from the great state of Michigan. She manages two offices with 100 plus agents. What? For, yeah, for one of the largest brokers there called, it's Real Estate One is her office. She recommends us to all of her agents. She's been walking since COVID-19, and we're the podcast she listens to on her walks. Oh, that's awesome. So I want to toast to Mary because she's sharing it, and I think that's what we love the most is when everyone enjoys it but also shares it. Yeah, thanks, Mary. I know. Cheers to Mary. Cheers, Mary. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Y'all have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.